0: about Moses and his gang in Exodus chapter 17. We'll walk through the whole text again. And just, just as a preview, we called this our exasperating forgetfulness. Drives me crazy when I forget. And as we come to find out, God's not a big fan of our forgetfulness either. And Moses is really down on it in this passage. Uh, but we are encouraged to remember our forgetfulness. Because of this text, we'll point that out even more as we move forward. So let's take a look at this text together. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of Sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. Rephidim? We we argued over this in the even Google had two different pronunciations. We think it's Rephidim, usually that accent. Alan, you took Hebrew. Is it Rephidim at the end? Okay, thank you. Uh, Rephidim, very close to Mount Sinai, out in the midst of the wilderness wandering. So it is a very thirsty place, even to this day. There's a place right by Mount Sinai that, where this rock exists near what's called Rephidim. And some people think this may have been it. it and, and there's actually water, uh, water, what do you call it? Uh, not stains, but uh, erosion marks where it appears to have been some rushing water And maybe this was the rock. I don't know. Could have been. Um, It's impossible to know, but uh, it's at least interesting to speculate. But out in the wilderness area, they camped at Rephidim. Why were they there? Why were they at this particular place? Well, what do we know about the wilderness wanderings? Who's guiding them? A pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud during the day. God is leading them, right? And it says right here, They came to this wilderness according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in this place. So what we know about this is they are right where God wants them. And it's a place with no water. So again, this comes back to, we keep revisiting this in Exodus. When God brings us to a place where it looks like this ain't the place I think God should have brought us to, what is our first reaction Is it to give up on God? Is it to give up on this possibly being within the context of his will? Or do we realize, oh, now God has got us teed up right now for a miracle. If you believe in God's power, if you remember what God has done when their backs were up against the wall of the Red Sea and he came through, why wouldn't God come through now? Well, he might, but I forgot. I forgot that he does that. So let's keep going. Uh, Next section of the text. Text. So back and forth between the people of God in yellow and Moses in the light blue. So there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you you quarrel with me? I'm not the one guiding here. We just follow, you know. Um, Why do you test the Lord? Moses is right. He's pointing out the fact that You're not arguing with me, you're arguing with something far bigger. That's God, because God is in the process of saving you. But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why do you bring us up out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? And so Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. So let's take a look at the people first. What were they mad at, really? Were they mad at Moses? It's not like Moses hasn't done a few nice things for them over the past couple of months. What were they really mad at? They're mad at the fact they're thirsty and they want something to drink. There's just like a physical problem. And as is often the case, when we get mad, we just got to take it out on somebody. It's got to be somebody's fault, right? And so Moses becomes the punching bag of the moment. And they think, we've got to complain about something. We're going to complain to Moses. Moses. But what did they really expect Moses to do? I, I find it comical where, that's, where it says, people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Okay, we're a million strong, and we're in a place with no water. What, we think Moses is just going to whip out a vending machine or something, and, or he's going to know of a secret well? Or what's? They were just, they just were at a time when they were walking through walls of water on either side that God was controlling through the Red Sea. you think they'd have a little bit of faith that God can handle the water problem probably better than Moses can. But that's, they, were, they were frustrated. And, and here's what happens. You, you lose grasp of reality when you get frustrated. Remember those commercials on TV? Here, eat a Snickers, because when you don't eat enough, you go nuts or whatever. You eat a Snickers and life comes back to normal. It does happen sometimes when things don't go our way, we start to freak out a little bit. We see this in the political world where something will go wrong somewhere and we'll just bang on the Republicans or bang on the Democrats or we're big blamers these days. You ever look at a Facebook feed? Everybody's mad at everybody else except themselves because it's always somebody else's fault that everything isn't perfect. Well, you start to lose grasp of reality. I, I find this humorous too, I mean, in a very sad, kind of awkward way, but... Why did you bring us out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst. And Moses said, that is exactly right. That is exactly, I I drew, I pulled you through the Red Sea to bring you out here because I wanted to have you all die of dehydration. That's been my plan all along. But that's what they're saying. Is that what you're up to? Come on, people. And just, you know, I think we should tuck this away, just as human beings. that that we have this tendency when things don't go our way to just start blaming people. And And we can be irrational in our blame. There are very few people in this world who are out to get you. There are very few politicians who aren't honestly just trying their best out of the way that they think to do as good a job as they can. But we start saying you're out to destroy the country, you're out to wreck this church, you're out to, ah, we just, come on, people of Israel, they were going nuts, it's just a cue to us that when we forget the big picture, because what's the big picture, is God in in control, yeah, is he in the middle of saving them, yeah, yes, has God got this, God's got this, they're in great hands, they're so much better off than they were a month ago when they were in, the, in, in Egypt as slaves. But they lose touch. So let, let's take a look at Moses a little bit here. So Moses' response, next slide up, there you go. Moses said, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? And so Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. So Moses has got issues. <laughs> He's got issues with these people. And he tries to talk some sense with them. Why are you quarreling with me? It's not me. Have you, have you forgotten that this is a God thing? We're in the midst of all this? You're, you're testing God right now. He's trying to be rational, but that's when they freak out again and go, you're just trying to kill us. So Moses goes, okay, this isn't working, so I'm going to turn to God and say, God, what do I do? What do I do with these people? And if they're almost ready to stone him, and again, irrational minds can do irrational things, So he's crying out to the people. He's crying out to God. And he's in a tough situation. i got to say, try to put yourself in Moses' sandals. What would you do? I'll tell you what I'd do. I quit. You're holding rocks. You're throwing them at me. Midian is right over there. I just walk back to Midian. I'm thirsty, too. In fact, I'm hungry, too. I've had enough bread. I could just go for a nice, you know, I was a shepherd before, so we had good lamb shank. There's a barbecue waiting for me at my hometown with everything that I know, and I didn't want this job to begin with. And this isn't exactly upwardly mobile. You know, We're all the leading economic indicators of a million slaves in the Sinai. It's not like we're on the path to riches here. Why don't I just hang this up? This is not going on. Well. I, I would have left. I, I mean, I would have left in a second. So Moses is saying, what, what shall I do with this people? And I don't know if there wasn't an undercurrent in there of, can I just say goodbye to these people? Do I have to do this? And this is where this message becomes God's word for you people who are in leadership of something. Whether it's, I'm a leader at home, I'm a mom or a dad or I'm a leader in my business, or I'm a leader at church. Wherever there's a thing going on and you have to call some shots and you get pushback from the people around you, and if you've ever had, have you ever wanted to quit something? Ever? (laughs) I have a bunch of times. Like, oh gosh, do I really have to do this? I think God has a word for the way he responds to Moses for these times. So let's take a look at this. The Lord said to Moses, first of all, he didn't say anything like, Moses, let's just go home. I'll just kill you now. We'll just do heaven. I've got a mount of transfiguration thing I need you for with Jesus later, but uh, that'll be your last time on earth. Right now, let's just finish this up. Or Moses, God also doesn't come in and go, yeah, those people are really terrible, aren't they? He doesn't commiserate with Moses. He doesn't give Moses an out. Instead, there's silence on this whole idea of whether or not he should leave. So don't leave. Stay. That's a good word for you. When you get fed up with the situation you're in and you're tired of giving oversight and you go, should I just leave? Don't leave. God's got you right where he wants you. It's hard. Stay. But then the next thing God says is pass on before the people when I read this this week it just jumped out of the page I thought those are the people with the rocks in their hands that are mad at me and I don't like them right now and I'm frustrated and they're irrational and God says go right in with those very people go back in there don't run away from there So what God is saying go enter in don't run away but enter in all the more and then God says the next thing. Taking with you some of the elders of Israel and taking your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Get your best stuff. This is the stuff by which you have succeeded in the past. Get your best, what's your, what's your best, uh, best group of leaders around you? Get the elders who you trust, get the men that you know, because you need that encouragement and support. Gather those people around, and then grab your staff. Grab the tool that I've given you that is your power tool for leadership in this area. Grab those important things. By the way, what's our power tool? We don't have staffs anymore, especially in the Christian ministry. That's right, John's holding it up. The Word of God, which in Hebrews is term the sword no, in Ephesians, the sword of the spirit. It's our it's our uh, offensive weapon that God gives us. And especially in the, in the world of church, which is my world, when things get tough in the church, you got to bring the word of God to bear. Get the strong men of counsel together and get the word of God to bear and then go right in. Enter in with the people with your best stuff. Use the best tools you've got, Moses. And then the next thing he says is this, behold, I will stand before you. And this is this is so God. <laughs> it's like God has to remind you. You think that it's between you and the people. And you just told the people, it's not between you and me, people. This is a God thing. So don't turn to me and forget the fact that when you're with those people, it's still a God thing. I am right there. I have you right where I want you. I've got the best tools in your hand. I've got you in the relationships I want. But most of all, I'm going to be there. This reminds me of the Great Commission where Jesus, Jesus comes, to, comes to his apostles and says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So I'm telling you to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that I have commanded you. And what? Lo, I am with you always. I'm not asking you to go do a really hard thing without me. I'm asking you to go do that in the power that I provide. So it's still a God thing with your best tools and with these very people. And then, and then finally, after all that, then God does this. He gives very specific instructions. I will stand before you there, where? There on the rock of Horeb. Who? You, what? Shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it. Who? And the people will do what? They will drink specific, detailed plan. It is a prescription, directions from God of what to do. Now, sometimes you're saying, God never does that for me. Like when I'm in a tough situation, he doesn't say, okay, now get up, make this phone call, then go do this, have this conversation, and then make this policy change. might not be that specific. But when you have the word of God in your hand, there is wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit that makes you craft a plan that's appropriate and then you follow the instructions of God. What's intriguing to me, not so much that he's transferring this on to Moses, but that God has specifics in his godly mind about what should happen next, and Moses is his leader, and so he wants to have this happen. I firmly believe that there are times when we don't know all the details, but God is going to make those very things happen, especially if, if we do the first four. If we don't quit, we dive back in, We get our best tools around us. We are confident of the truth of God moving forward. And then those details start to flow out of that relationship with God. And then good leadership happens from there. How did the good leadership play out? Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us now? (sighs) <sighs> Moses, what do you want to call this place? I'm, I'm thinking maybe, maybe uh, Palm Springs or uh, Agua Roca. Okay? What a, let's name it after this incredible thing that God did. But what does Moses do? He memorializes the moment, not by the miracle of God, not by the water, but by the shortcomings of the people. Isn't that interesting? He could have called it Palm Springs, but instead I call it, I can't even decide whether I want to call it fighting or putting God to the test, because that's what you did. You put God to the test and you fought with one another. Let's remember this place forever by your bad behavior. Wow. It was, maybe Moses was just bitter. <laughs> about this. No pun intended. That's also what Meribah means is bitterness. So this is how we remember this story, Exodus 17. And it is remembered for the bitterness reasons in the Psalms, Psalm 95, which we read earlier. And then once again, in the Hebrews reading that we read as part of the service. So let's take a look at that Hebrews reading one more time. Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast. So I just I sense the writer of the Hebrews is gets to that point and says, Christ is faithful to us. We need to walk in faithfulness. So we are the house of God. We are the temple of God. We're the place where God's presence resides if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. As Lutherans, our theological heritage leaves us with this understanding that we can fall away from God. There are some traditions that say you can't fall away even if you tried. Um, but Luther especially and, and, and the people who have taught in our tradition point out the fact that just like the nation of Israel fell away, we can also fall away We are all people in play, and we need to stay faithful. And we need faithfulness. We're going to sing that in our closing song again. We get there, just sing it out boldly. Faithfulness is what I need. Because then he goes on and says, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. That's what this is remembered for. Exodus 17 is remembered as the rebellion. It's like Star Wars, right? Remember the rebellion? On the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years, therefore I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath. They'll never enter my rest. Take a look at the next slide too. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Remember. Remember. Don't fall away. Stay soft to God. Exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as in that rebellion. By the way, just a little quick theological aside. Did you hear that said? The Holy Spirit said, Remember that from the slide? Was that the slide before? Yeah. Go back real quick. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, then what does he quote? He quotes Psalm 95, which means the Holy Spirit wrote Psalm 95. Holy Spirit, divine inspiration of our scriptures. Just an important little side point. But what we see that the Holy Spirit is doing, not just the psalmist and not just the writer of Hebrews, but the Holy Spirit is saying, why did this thing happen out in the wilderness like this? this? Why did this... kind of aggravating moment a a, a cool miracle of god too that water came from a rock in the middle of the sinai peninsula that is an amazing thing but not as amazing as it is frustrating that meribah and massa happened at that place why is it there the psalmist says i know why it's there because god doesn't want us to forget and then in hebrews says the psalmist was right that's why that thing was there because we have the tendency to forget we're a forgetful bunch and we're in big trouble if we do do you know people in your life who have just forgotten God completely? The Apostle Paul in the end of the Book of Acts speaks of those people as people who have shipwrecked their faith. They've ruined themselves because they haven't stayed true and faithful to the truths of God. And in the same way that those, those ornery Israelites were so faithless and they argued and clamored against God in the midst of being saved by God. Just like we're in the midst of being saved by God and walking through this earth together. We're in the midst of this salvation walk and we can still, I'm so mad at God today and we can grumble over things and we live in Scottsdale and we still grumble. It's not like we live in some third world place that has nothing. We've got everything and yet we still grumble. We're walking through the same thing too. God calls us to ongoing remembrance because of the potential for us to shipwreck. And that's why we worship. Whether it's Saturday or Sunday morning or Sunday night, we come to remember and not forget. So just a c- couple things as we go. Do what you can to remind others to remember. Did you hear that in the in the Hebrews passage? Exhort one another as long as it's called today. I mean, just take a little glance around the people. Look at it, all of them. They're just as bad as those Israelites. Everyone in this room. You're all just like them. And you have that tendency that you'll forget. So you need brothers and sisters. You need just like Moses needed the elders of Israel to go in and get his job done. You need a body around you. You need people who are gonna remind you stay, stay warm to God. Don't forget, don't forget, God's God's got this, God's in control. Some of you know people like that. They say pithy things like that all the time. God bless them for saying pithy things like that all the time because God does have it in control, and he has got this. And he's good. He's always good. You're fine. You hurt. God knows. He's got you teed up. He's got you right where he wants you. Just live it out. Stay faithful to him. Don't get mad at him, and don't shipwreck your faith by forgetting that God is good and he's got you. Stay tight. And then the second thing is do what you can to remind yourself. Don't count on everybody else. What can you do to remind yourself of the goodness of God? It's old church stuff, but read your Bible. It's the word of God. It's living and active and sharp. It pokes you deep inside and reminds you of important things. It is Christ to you, the living word of God. And say your prayers. Be in communion with the God who loves you. Be like Moses who turned around and said, what do I do with these people? Say the same. It's okay to cry out to God but let God talk to you. Let God be close to you. Stay close. Go to church, read your Bible, say your prayers. Sounds like Sunday school all over again, but that just chases us through this life. We need it all so that we can stay faithful to God. Close with prayer with me, please. Again, Lord, we apologize for being forgetful and at times faithless. We trust you, God, in our best moments, in our tenderest moments. Even when it feels like circumstances are not what we want them to be and we want them changed, help us not to grumble. Help us not to quarrel. Help us not to test. But Lord, draw us near to you and help us to remember your goodness always. So we're going to sing, Lord. I'm, I, I am yours, Lord. I've heard your voice and it told of your love to me. I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to you. I want to be tight with you, God, so that we won't forget. So thank you, God, for your word. And thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to a forgetful bunch of people. We don't deserve to be retrieved like that, just like the nation of Israel didn't deserve to be brought out of Egypt by your hand and by the help of Moses. But Lord, you have saved us. You've chosen to save us, and we're thankful. Help us again, not to forget it, but to walk in it, not to fall away, but to stay tight with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.